Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Ustedes ya saben that I'm all about la cultura and showing up as your fullest, fullest self, which is why I'm extra excited that today's episode is brought to you by Chispa. This is an app that you can download right now if you're looking for love, trying to meet new people, or to find the next novio or novia you're trying to bring home to the family party. So check this out. Chispa is the number one dating app made para Latinos a place where you can connect with someone like you, someone who loves La Cultura, and someone, I mean, let's be real, someone that you can be your authentic self with. Y'all know I'm currently in a relationship with someone who's a proud Puerto Rican, and let me tell you, it's nice to be with somebody who loves the music, the culture, the food, just as much as I do, but most importantly, I really love that there are certain things I just don't have to explain. O sea, I can be hella Latina and he hella loves it. So if you're single, go on Chispa, find your Boricua Bay, your Honduran Bay, tu Colombiano, tu Cubanito. Uno nunca sabe. Something amazing could come out of it. Check out Chispa and tell your single friends too. It's free. Time to meet your media naranja. Bienvenidos and welcome to Hello Latino. It's your girl, Lalis Jasmine, and today you're going to hear from two trailblazing Latinas behind a brand y'all might just know or follow. I'm talking to Wendy Barba and Swanee Garcia. Wendy is the vice president at Mitu, a leading digital media company uplifting and celebrating the U.S. Latino community. She also founded an amazing vertical brand, one of my personal favorites of Mitu, called Fierce. Is focused on amplifying the Latina voice and story. Swanee is a Cuban-American writer and the editor-in-chief at Me Too. She recently published The New Latina, A Hundred Millennials Shaping Our World. This episode, this content, it's probably the most relatable and I mean, I just want to get into it. So, dale. Hola, y'all. I can't believe this is happening. I'm still like, I'm over here sitting with two badass latinas who are doing so much to represent la cultura so welcome to hello latino or hello latina <laughs> hi Lalis. thank you so much we're super excited we're elated to be here so we super appreciate the invitation yes thank you so much i have to tell you both that i um was stalking y'all hard on social media this morning <laughs> <laughs> just to get a sense of your personalities. And I was just like smiling at every single piece of content y'all put out there, whether it was a TikTok or a picture of a keto diet <laughs> or all this, like just, just who you are. I'm like so excited to be in this space with you. And just again, the, the Latina energy in this space right now is just like exuding. So I want to jump into this conversation. We're going to have a conversation one-on-one soon. Um, but I want to start by welcoming you both to the platform together and want to kind of go one-on-one. Tell me who you are, your role at Me Too, and how you identify. 
and I'll pass it anyone who wants to go first, actually. So Wani, take it away. <laughs> she voluntold you. Um, <laughs> my boss told me. <laughs> um, I'm Swani Garcia. Um, I am the editor-in-chief over at Me Too. Um, I identify as Latina, human, immigrant, first-gen, and all of the, all those good things. And um, I'm also an author. I wrote The New Latina, 100 Millennials Shaping Our World. And I dabble in creating content on social media just because I think it, it's good. It's a good uh, thing to practice as part of my job. <laughs> I love it. And I'm Wendy Barba. I am the VP of Brands at Me Too. And I have always identified as Mexican-American. I've always been super proud. I feel like even back to the elementary school days, I wanted to show off that I was Mexican. I grew up in Santa Monica, which was predominantly white, although it was pretty diverse um, in certain areas. Um, but for me, being Mexican-American, I just wore like a like a superhero cape. Um, I'm also super proud to say that I'm a first gen and daughter of immigrants. Mm. Well, we're going to dive deep into Swanee and Wendy's story one on one in a different episode. But this episode is really about highlighting Me Too. And I think everyone knows Me Too from the memes, the gifs, the articles. There's so much goodness in Me Too. And so I kind of want to know the origin story of Me Too, where did that come about? And, you know, we all know it as that platform for La Cultura, but what did it, how did it blossom into that? Yeah, so there have been a few different iterations of Me Too that we know today. It first started out as an MCN, which stands for Multi-Channel Network. And that's kind of a fancy way of saying that um, we created this conglomerate of influencers, mostly on YouTube, um, because this was about 10 years ago. And so we really worked to bring those creators together and manage them and help them and also our, ourselves land branded deals. Um, so we did that for a few years, about three years. That was before my time. And then in 2015, the founder decided that she wanted to build Mitu as, as its own um, creator. So with that, she had a vision of um, developing an editorial space as well as a social space. And so I joined in 2015 as one of the first editors to kick off the O&O, which now is in the hands of Suwani as the editor-in-chief. Um, but 10 years ago, or seven years ago, rather, um, a small group of us kicked off the voice of Me Too. We were in rooms developing the strategy, what we wanted Me Too to represent. Um, and so then we kicked off the editorial site and moved on to the social components. Mm -hmm. That is so cool. And then Swanee, when did you join Me Too? And, and what is kind of your role within Me Too? So I joined Me Too about a year ago, coming up on one year. And so my role is to oversee all of the editorial strategy and editorial content on, on the O&L. So I work directly with Wendy as well as our community team and our brand lead to oversee, to work on stories and to just make sure that we're living up to what Wendy, um, what Wendy and the team has set as that foundation for us now. So I have to ask this question because I'm listening to both of you talk about me too. And it's, I feel like it's always different when you work internally and like, you know, there's people like me who are consuming this content and it's like, 
anyone who I tell, like anyone who's like, where where can I find like Latino news, Latino like stuff? I'm like, me too. Like that's the place to go. And I think feel like everyone knows it in the community. How is it for y'all to work internally and and like be part of the content creation team that puts that content out that makes so many of us feel so seen? That's an interesting question because I've heard from people that they think that Me Too is this huge corporation and such a large team with, you know, dozens of creators. And we're actually a pretty small team um, for what we do, I think. So each brand has its dedicated brand lead and we work very collaboratively to ideate. But when people ask me this question, what it's like to work at Me Too, I say, to, in my head, like, I just think of the madness that goes on when we brainstorm. Um, <laughs> we're sitballing ideas. We share everything about our weekends, what our moms, you know, and then somebody will say, oh, my God, my mom used to say that to me, too. We're like, that's a meme. That's an editorial list. Um, so for me, this ride has been so much fun. Um, I feel like I'm working with my cousins all the time and we're just laughing about our upbringing. <laughs> I totally agree. I'd share that same sentiment. Our brainstorming sessions are so fun. It's like if you're just hanging out with friends and coming up with content ideas for social, for articles and everyone, I, I always say this, but everyone is so excited about what we're creating And for us, it's just like, we're just so happy to be in our roles and have this privilege of, you know, representing and working in this brand. And, um, and I think that is really, that really, you can see that through our, through the work that comes out. Yeah. And what was, so I'm trying to picture myself. I'm like, if I was in their brainstorming meetings and I was just sitting there, like, can you paint the picture of what that meeting looks like? And what was a moment in your, what was like a brainstorming session that you were like? we just came up with gold. Like, was there a moment like that in any of your brainstorming sessions or is that like all the time? (laughs) So, Wani, do you want to take this one because my (laughs) perception might be a little biased? (laughs) Um, I think, yeah, I mean, I think we, there's always, I always say like everything is copy, everything is content. So there's always something to extract from our conversations in our meetings. Um, some days we're more creative than other, than others, but there's always something there. So it's always like exciting. There's the conversations always going. Um, so I think it's always, you know, it's a dynamic kind of environment to, to work in and to be yeah. a part of. Yeah. And we're never not laughing. Like I cannot <laughs> identify a meeting that I went through where we didn't laugh. Someone's always sharing a funny anecdote or cracking a joke or was coming up with meme ideas. Um, I can't imagine another, you know, working for corporate where everything is just, you know, data driven. We're very data driven, but again, it's just so much fun to brainstorm with our team. Well, that brings me to my question because I'm hearing both of y'all talk and y'all are both smiling talking about it. And like, I don't know if y'all are noticing, but you have big smiles on your faces every time you talk about these meetings and what you're doing. What what part of this role that y'all played or have played, Wendy, I know you've been there for a minute. What were the pivotal moments for you? What about this work really does fill your cup? Yeah, for me, since day one, I think it's been about being purpose-driven and creating content that's meaningful. Even where, when we're creating something that is comedy-driven, there's a message behind that. And there's... Um, there's a purpose to unite our communities together and for us to relay this message of, you know, you're not alone. 
oh, you were picked on because your Spanish accent wasn't perfect. Yeah, I got picked on too. Um, down to, you know, the beauty content that we do on Fierce. It's it's very deep. Um, nothing that we do is surface level. There's always a purpose behind everything that we do. So for me, that comes with a lot of responsibility. It's not always the easiest job to have, but it's also very, very fulfilling. Um, I used to work in the entertainment industry and do like red carpet reporting. And I got to interview really cool celebrities, which for a lot of people is a dream, right? Especially in LA. But at the end of the day, I was like, oh, I'm so tired of hearing what so-and-so is wearing on the red carpet or who they're dating. <laughs> you know, I wanted something more. And for me, this is it. And I get to do this every single day. And it's so much fun. And I love the people I work with. So that to me is just a dream scenario. Yeah. And another, yeah, I'll leave it there. I want to give Stuani also a chance to speak. No, yeah, I totally agree with Wendy. And I think for me, um, I always say this is my dream job. This is something that I naturally do. I So I, when I was in college, I created a magazine for Latinas and I translated that to Spanish. And then I said, I want to be an editor. I want to be a writer. I want to work within this industry. And so, you know, landing this job for me, it's also a huge responsibility. It's a big challenge. Um, and it's also something that I love. Like the other day I was, uh, I, I wrote about it on my Instagram, but I was reading an article. I took a break from my from work to read an, a different article. And I said, well, I used to do this in my other jobs just for fun. And now I do it. And it's like part of the job. It's part of informing myself and seeing how we can, you know, continue to be better. And so I think that selfishly for me it's it's not it's a natural way of being and i i'm so grateful that i get to do it within an organization and with people that are just amazing at what they do and wendy is so amazing at just being a great leader and just you know being there for us and she's just i feel like she's like an anchor in our like community team and i just i so appreciate everybody on the team this episode of Hello Latino is brought to you by McDonald's. Buy one, get one for $1 deal. Y para los que solamente hablan español, para que sepan, este episodio está presentado por la oferta Compra Uno, Llévate Otro por un dólar. It's always weird to me when the person you're eating with orders the exact same thing as you at McDonald's. O sea... If I'm getting a Big Mac, don't get a Big Mac. Diversify, se creativo, be creative, and throw some respect on your order. Stop by McDonald's today and enjoy two favoritas for only $6. Y'all can also order a quarter pounder, 10-piece McNuggets, or a Big Mac. Y recordate que tenes que dibujar tu propio camino. Don't be ordering the same thing as your homie. Visit a McDonald's today y disfruta. Well, shout out to Wendy. Aplausos. Love all of it. Thank you, (laughs) Sawani. I want to ask, because both of you said it's a huge responsibility. And I just think that a lot of people outside the culture, and I mean, even some people in the culture, don't realize how diverse Latinidad is, right? Like, I'm Honduran. It's a very different culture than Dominican, than Puerto Rican, than um, Mexican. And I feel like there's a lot of different experiences, but there's this, like, beautiful little weave of similarities between all of us and that's what makes us latinos right for y'all who are creating this content and feel like it's a huge responsibility to put content out there that's meaningful that represents that makes us feel seen right how when were the challenges or when were the hardest moments for y'all to to create content that can make 
other folks feel seen in the community who maybe don't feel as seen very often. And I'll tell you one quick story. Being Honduran, I don't see any Honduran content anywhere. But Me Too posted something about, I think it was during the holidays, and they highlighted the Honduran tamal. And I was like, mommy, we're out here. <laughs> and I just thought that was very beautiful because, I mean, just a place like Me Too, that's where you want to see your flag represented. And I've seen it so many times. And just on behalf of the Honduran community, gracias for highlighting nuestra cultura. Um, but just wanted to ask you both, what was the, what are the, some of the challenging parts of, of the role? Yeah, I would say representation within our communities is one for sure, um, because again, we're such a small team. And when we initially launched the the website, um, our team was made up of myself, a Mexican-American, another editor who was Mexican-American, and the third editor was also Mexican-American. So naturally, most of our content was skewing Mexican-American. Um, so whenever we wrote headlines um, that would say, you know, 10 things Latinos say at birthday parties. Terrible example, but, you know, this is back <laughs> in the day. Um, people would come for us in the comments and say, hey, I'm Ecuadorian and I've never eaten this food or I've never had this. This is Mexican. So people started calling us out. Which for us, we were like, oh my gosh, we're getting it wrong. So much pressure. Like they're coming at us. We were so nervous, right? But at the same time, we were thankful. We're so thankful that that our audience is so vocal and will tell us what they want to see, what they want to read, what kind of representation they're craving. And yeah. fortunately, we have the resources to open up um, to our community and say like, hey, if you're a writer, you want to talk about your Ecuadorian experience, please reach out to us. We want to hear your story. We want to feature different yeah. voices. Um, so that was a big challenge for us. But fortunately, you know, we have a team um, that is very collaborative. And again, we can work with different people who can lend their voice and perspective and we can widen the stories that we're telling on our platform. Yeah. And what and how Latino of us to be very vocal, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. We, we, we love our audience. Yeah. Um, to add to, to what Wendy said, I think it's also important to work with a diverse team of writers, right? Because, you know, we're brainstorming day to day and within our team, but when you get an outside writer or a new writer who has a different perspective on things, who maybe has a different background, it really adds to the content that's being produced. So shout, I mean, I just want to shout out all of our writers that are, that work with us freelance and um, regular contributors. I feel like they're such a big part of, you know, what makes our voice. And uh, yeah, yeah. And just to clarify before someone's like, why, well, why did you only hire Mexican-Americans? Our office <laughs> was based in L.A. because I know, you know, we've had this comment before. Our office was based in L.A. Um, when we had an office seven years ago and naturally in Los Angeles, the biggest uh, Latino community is Mexican-American. But we did take that learning and especially, you know, when we launched the second brand, which was Fierce. I was like, I definitely don't want to skew Mexican-American. So we need to mm -hmm. learn from this. We need to be smarter. So I was very intentional about hiring writers, again, from different parts of the United States who could offer a wider perspective. We had writers in New York, Florida, Chicago. And again, we continue um, to use that strategy to, I mean, these are all learnings that we implement. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And Wendy, you and I talked about this when, uh, in our, my hiring meeting, um, just about, you know, she, Wendy had asked me, what would you do differently? And I said, well, we need to, we need to have more diversity. And so that's something that's always, always top of mind. Um, I just want everybody to know that, that that's something that we always are always thinking about and are always, uh, aiming to improve too. Yeah. And I, I want to give you both a shout out for creating that representation as well, because I love that, Wendy, you mentioned you have writers in Chicago. Swanee, I know you're in Miami and you're in LA. And being a San Diego girl, SoCal girl through and through, I mean, even LA and San Diego are very different. And I think it's really dope that you're both kind of hiring these writers all over the world because the Latino experience differs, whether you're in the East Coast, the West Coast, in Miami, in LA. Um, and I think this just, it's something that people often miss and y'all are really capturing that representation. And I, I know that because I talk to people who are Dominican from New York and I'm like, oh, your experience is very different than mine, right? Like I didn't grow up in, in New York or I didn't grow up in Washington Heights or I didn't grow up in Miami. And I think it's important to highlight just the differences in our experience, depending where we are and where we grow up. So shout out to y'all again. Thank you, <laughs> Thank you so much. And I want to you there with this podcast. We're doing the same things. Oh, we all yes. out here. We're in alignment. <laughs> but I want to talk about fears because you mentioned it. And so I want to paint the picture for us. There's me too. And then there's all these um, other kind of sub pages. There's fears. There's somos me too. Can you talk about what that looks like? There's me too. And what are the other pages that exist? Yeah, so Somos actually launched roughly around the same time that Me Too launched, um, and it's our sister brand that's completely in Spanish. Um, Me Too focuses more on U.S. first-generation audiences, and Somos focuses more in Spanish speakers um, and Latin American audiences. So it's a little bit more, you see mm -hmm. more of a Caribbean flavor, Um so they launched around the same time in 2015. I Sorry. Yes, 2015. And then in 2017, Me Too had grown to about 4 million followers on Facebook. And 60% of that audience was women. And in 2016, we know this was a huge election year. We knew who went on to win that presidency, um, and we knew the response and the attack on our communities. Um, so our founder was looking at data. She pointed out, hey, we have a massive um, female audience that already follows us, and there's this new um, uprise of a women's movement. Some people could argue that that women's movement felt very white and didn't really speak for women of color, namely Latinas. So our founder, mm -hmm. who is incredible, Beatriz Acevedo, she is my role model, my muse, everything. She's such an amazing woman. Um, she said, Wendy, what do you think about launching a women's vertical? And I said, okay, what are you thinking? And she's like, just build it. Do what you want with it. We have the audience there. What if we create custom content for women? They're already craving it. She's like, just go and do your thing. And I was excited because, again, I did feel like there was a void in this movement. And there was a huge opportunity to tell stories from our communities, such powerful stories that have never heard before. Um, but at the same time, again, this was Beatriz Acevedo handing me the keys, 
to the car. I didn't, you know, I was still learning how to drive. She's like, go on the freeway, do this. I want to build a platform that all Latina women can be proud of. So there was a lot of pressure, um, but I'm always up for a good challenge. And so I started blueprinting what I thought um, would be really impactful um, and Fierce was born. And it wasn't just me. Um, I've always worked with such an incredible team of creatives who are always down to brainstorm, who are always up for a challenge as well. Um, so Fierce was born around that time. And that was kind of the story behind the beginning of that brand. And recently, about a year ago, we launched two more brands, um, Things That Matter. And this was also a response. This was actually in 2020. This was actually a response to, you know, the madness that was happening, all of the pain that we were all going through, you know, in that year. Um, so we had Me Too and we also felt a responsibility to publish these stories that were affecting our community, that, that were affecting um to cover the Black Lives Matter movement. But people would scroll on our feeds and they would, you know, come across a really funny meme and then a tragic story on police brutality. Right. So there were there were a lot of mixed feelings and people were saying like, hey, I come to your page to laugh. Then there was another group of the audience that was saying, me too, this is affecting our community directly. Why aren't you reporting on this? So mm -hmm we decided to create a new brand where all of this um, social justice content could live and we could cover stories that are important to our community. And then a year after that, we launched Crema, which is our music vertical. That's, I think, the baby of all of our brands. It's been around for about a year. Um, and we're having a lot of fun with that. We're seeing a lot of growth. Um, we're covering a lot of Latino artists and we're also covering pop culture the way that we see it. Um, so it's been a lot of fun. So a lot of work on our hands, a lot of brands, but, um, I'm really proud of everything that the team is creating. I love that. And Swanee, you took over Fierce, right? Is that, is that right? Are you the editor-in-chief of Fierce specifically? So I am the editor-in-chief of the website. Right. So oh, okay. all of our brands live as verticals on our website. Uh, and then we have brand leads who manage the brand separately on social and other opportunities. So Lauren Routh is actually our brand lead for Fierce. But we work together um, to create content for the O&O as well. Oh, I love I'm like learning so much about your team right now. And I just want to meet everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but Wendy, what a moment. Did you say Elizabeth Acevedo is the one that kind of came up with the idea? Beatriz Acevedo. Beatriz. Okay. I was like, She's wait, hold founder. on. An author came to you and said, I want to start this. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, Beatriz Acevedo is the founder of Me Too. Um, again, I she's such that. a brilliant woman. Every time I speak with her, I walk away so motivated. I'm like, yes, let's take over the world and let's think bigger and do all these things. Um, she's such a force, but she founded Me Too. And so then she had a bigger vision to create these sub-brands um, and specifically Fears. And yeah. she she's the one who came up with the idea. Yeah. And I I know we're, we're coming up on time, but I just love Fears for so many reasons because I've had this conversation recently and I want to hear what y'all think. But I think being first-gen is already hard, right? It's There comes a lot of struggle, a lot of beauty with that. But being a first-gen Latina is like a whole different layer of just complexities, in my opinion. And I'm sure men deal with, I don't want to discredit them, they deal with their own things. But being a, a woman, I think one of the things that comes to my mind is just being a modern Latina woman 
who's in born in the US and what that means for me when it comes to being a career woman and being so driven but also being like I want to be a mom and I want to like do all those mom things and I want to embrace the culture but I also want to integrate this new culture and just feeling this different complexity with being a woman and a first generation Latina I'm curious what y'all think this is getting into your stories a little bit but how have you navigated being just a first gen Latina and what parts of your experience and story do you love to either hear or create for fierce So one is you want to go first? Yeah. Um, There's, you know, there's so much to that. I think, you know, speaking of just representation, I I feel like when I was younger, we didn't have social media wasn't as prevalent as it is now. And so I didn't have all of these, you know, examples of of different Latinas doing amazing things. And, um, and I think there's really a place where you can go for that, for that like inspiration and that motivation that you need um, to keep going because there's really no, blueprint like as an immigrant that's first time there's no blueprint for how to do it my parents didn't understand english like i had to navigate college admissions on my own and mm-hmm. um and i know that's how a lot of people feel now too uh, but now i feel like there's more help there's more mentorship we can never have enough but i i feel that um you know that's something that we really try to create with fierce is like that mentorship that that um that yeah that there is something there for you that you can turn to and look to and have as a resource Mm. Yeah. For me, I'm the oldest of five. And again, my parents are immigrants, so very similar. I didn't have someone to guide me through the um, application process for college. I changed my major so many times until the counselor was (laughs) like, this is it. You need to pick now. Otherwise, you're going to be a super duper senior Um, for the same reason, because I didn't know what I wanted to be. I didn't know what the options were. I feel like for Latinos or people of color, your parents tell you, shoot for the stars. You can be a doctor, a lawyer, or a teacher. <laughs> and there's no in-between. But there's so many incredible career paths that we are taking up now. So that's kind of been one of my secret missions for FEAR is to highlight incredible Latinas across different spaces so that we can kind of pass on the baton and the inspiration to new generation. E- Okay, quick question off topic. Do your parents know what you actually do? (laughs) (laughs) My dad is not on social. He has a TikTok. He only scrolled. I think he doesn't, you know, participate. So I love that he he has TikTok though. (laughs) Yeah, for the laughs. Um, So I don't think he understands social and the purpose of social very well. So it's, I mean, how do I even begin explaining? Um, My mom is, you know, typical Latina mom very much on facebook on instagram she's now with her (laughs) yes now she's on tiktok um so i think she has a better idea but if i don't think she understands like the day-to-day or how the team dynamic works she she knows alejandro who's the one that you know (laughs) on all of our memes and she's like oh i love that it was so funny but not you know she doesn't have a, a good grasp yeah yeah, not really. <laughs> Same here. Um, I feel like my mom gets the gist of it, but um, but yeah, I feel like her, like when I told my friend's mom that I was gonna start working at me too, she's like, "Ah, yo no sigos. Ellos son los que ponen los videitos conmigo." And I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> like she just kind of view the brand as you know, you know, the comedic, uh, relatable side of it. Um, but funny story. Yesterday, um. When I first started college, I, I went into international relations and then I switched. 
my major. And um, yesterday, my mom was like, oh, somebody came and she's a hair salon owner. She's like, somebody came into the hair salon and they're studying international relations like you did. And I'm like, mom, okay, I didn't study that. I started <laughs> off <laughs> studying that, but I ended somewhere else. But yeah, you know how Latino parents are. They're kind of, they just kind of get the gist of it and are always so supportive. <laughs> oh yeah. My parents have no idea. They, they tell all their friends, they're like, oh, si mi hija hace relaciones públicas, relaciones públicas. I'm like, I don't do that, but go ahead. They're, they're bragging about it. <laughs> and at one point, my brother, he worked for the city of San Jose and my mom started telling everyone, es juez, es juez. I'm like, he's not a judge. <laughs> but I love but that no matter technical. what. <laughs> they're so proud they're so proud and that's what i that's what i want to highlight is our parents like you know i don't blame them for not knowing but it's so cute to see them brag about us because they're just so proud like whether they know what we do or not like there's so much pride in in who we are so shout out to all the people whose parents may not know what you do but they're so proud of you so I know we're ending on time. I have one last question for y'all because I, again, love what you're doing with Fierce, with Me Too, with all your sub pages and Crema. I just followed them. But I want to ask both of you, what's next for Fierce, Me Too? What's next for the platform? And how can each of us who are listening find community within those pages? Yeah, so you can find all of our brands across all social platforms. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and our TikTok is our newest toy. So we're having a lot of fun exploring content on that platform. Um, but I would say our next immediate goal is breaking out of the screens. We have been behind the screens for so long and then we were quarantined and that was such a tough time. Um, but we are ready to party. We're ready to do in-person events. We've been experimenting a little bit. So we just want to continue growing and meeting our audience. It's always so fun um, when I get to meet people and I tell them where I work. And to see people get so excited and to just say, you know, everything that you've been saying that they see themselves reflected and represented is so important for us. So we want to bring conversations in person and have parties in person. Um, so we're ready for that. We love that in-person energy. Uh, I think for in terms of editorial, I think it's just expanding on the foundation that has already been set. So just growing, working with more writers, uh, working with more people, um, featuring more stories, more diversity, more inclusivity, just more of everything that we've already had the opportunity to to work on. Oh, I love this conversation and I love highlighting both of you. And I love that we're going to have a different episode where we get to dive deeper into your story and your journey into what you're doing now. One last closing. We have a little cafecito. Do y'all have your cafecito with you? Oh, you okay. said oh, drink of choice. I... <laughs> Oh, yes. You know, you're the first guest that actually brought wine. I always say that. Oh, I'm like, what? bring some wine. Yeah, I'm like, come on, you can bring wine. <laughs> I mean, it's 1130 in the morning, but it's Friday. Friday. Oh, it's Friday. But let wine and not? Is that what you said? Specifically? No, I said wine. I'm a little stuffed up. I sound like, I told Swan, I feel like I sound like a rug rat. Um you do not. You sound beautiful. I just love the puns. So I'm like, why not? <laughs> but I have my cafecito here. You have water. You have wine. Let's manifest some good for our cultura. Yes. So Swanee and Wendy, what do y'all want to manifest for nuestra gente? So I'll let you go first, Wendy. <laughs> okay. Well, I think just um, 
adding to what I was saying earlier, I want to see us taking up spaces in unexpected places and for us to receive the recognition that we deserve. You know, we all know Mm. that Latinos, immigrants, first generation, all Latinos are super hard workers and we know how brilliant we are, how passionate we are, Um, but we deserve to, you know, receive this recognition um, because we've been put in the back burner for so long. So Mm. that's why we're here. And that's why we exist to highlight all of these incredible Latinos. So cheers to the incredible things that we're all doing and we will continue to do. But I want to see us receiving recognition and breaking down barriers. Can you say that one part again? We taking up space in say that part again. It was beautiful. I want to see us taking up spaces in unexpected places. That's a mic drop moment. (laughs) (laughs) The doctors, the lawyers, the teachers, and everything in between. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Swanee, stage is yours. I mean, Wendy said it. (laughs) She said everything I was thinking, um, but also just adding, you know, recognizing our value, recognizing our value as Latinos and always asking for more. And sometimes things won't be given to you, so you have to take them. And I think mm. that's something that we should always keep in mind. Ask for more. There's someone doing a, a, a mediocre job at the job that you're going to be doing excellent and getting paid best for it. So you should always ask for more and recognize your value. Mm. Oh, all of that. Salud, girls. Thank you for being here. Enjoy your wine. Yeah. I'm, I'm about to get some wine after this. <laughs> Yes, cheers to that. Thank you so much for having us. This is so much fun. Thank you both. Thank you. So, tengo una sorpresita para ustedes. You're actually going to hear more from Swanee and Wendy in episodes to come. If you don't already, follow me too and spread the meme love to the familia. And see y'all next week for more cafecito and chisme. For all Hello Latino updates, follow Hello Latino Podcast. You can also follow me on my personal Instagram at ojasmine with four A's and find me on LinkedIn. Con mucho amor, Tomia Andureña.